Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Come to you from underneath a peach blossom. It's time for an episode of Be Awesome. Find positivity throughout your life and work. Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk. Hello, Be Awesome podcast listeners and viewers. This is another live one for you here today on a beautiful Wednesday in Massachusetts, but a, a very stormy Florida, which I'm just coming back from. Uh, and I am excited today's podcast. I'm excited about every podcast, but this is this is a, a new a new story for me uh, and how I got to meet our guest today. Uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast, you know that in August I did a build your life resume uh, open to any member uh, invitation. And we had some great ones, um, starting with Joe Bafia and uh, then. Jen Drummond, who is hiking the second tallest peak in seven continents, which we found out is a harder than the tallest peak. So um, had some really cool ones. And I had one of the members, Dave Zart, reach out to me and he said, I've got this really cool guy. Uh, he makes a difference in people's lives. He's awesome. His name is Joe Decker. And I have to admit, I didn't know who Joe Decker was. And I looked him up and I was immediately intimidated and scared. Uh, he is, we're going to get into all of this, but he is a highly recognized all the way to the Guinness book of world records as the world's fittest man. Uh, we're going to dig into that. He's run all sorts of these crazy races that I wouldn't even go as a spectator to. And I had an expectation that, uh, Joe was going to scare the life out of me and just shout and scream. And so I did a, I did a bit of homework on him and I found out that he's one of the most humble, uh, nicest humans you could ever ask for to be on your team. Uh, we were supposed to do the podcast last month, but he was trying to fit it in before his own race that he holds, which is we're going to also talk about, which is titled The Ultimate Suck, which is a 36-hour endurance mental physical race that he has out in his family farm in Cuba, Illinois, which I'm going to try to find out where that is in this episode. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Nicole, your wife, is going to be joining us at some point in time. Um, but we'll, we'll get started with, with you and I on this and see where, see where it goes. Welcome, first, first of all. Well, thank you very much, Josh. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show and uh, look forward to chatting for the next hour or so. Yeah, yeah. No, this is going to be great. I, uh, uh, so the first, first question is, what is the world's fittest man? What is that? entail what do you have to do to have that crown uh or be crowned that in the guinness book of world records well yeah, number one i did not crown myself the world's fittest man the uh the, the media took a hold of it and uh, actually made the term up um the guinness world records called the 24-hour physical fitness challenge and uh, i don't know you probably remember because we're, we're old farts back in uh like 1990s they had a show called guinness primetime and uh, it was just people doing crazy shit on there, you know, whatever it was. And they would get Guinness World Records for that. Uh, me and a buddy were sitting at a bar out in D.C. Uh, watching uh, Guinness Primetime. And this thing came on, the 24-hour physical fitness challenge. You had to do 13 events in 24 hours. And whatever man or woman could do the most, 
in that 24 hours got the title, the 24 hour physical fitness challenge, but then the media um, titled it the, uh, the world's fittest man. So I saw that, I saw that at a bar. Of course, me and my buddy wrote it down in a napkin. Um, after about six beers, we both decided we whipped this guy's butt that had it. Uh, next day when I sobered up, I realized I didn't stand a chance in hell of whipping the guy's butt that had it. Um, but decided that, Hey man, like, uh, you know, getting ready to turn 30, was going to give the, uh, the 24 hour physical fitness challenge a go. So, um, finally did a couple years later. So there was somebody that held this record before you. There was, yeah. It's actually, it's pretty interesting. It was a guy named Steve Sokol who was from, um, from California. I think some like Santa Monica or something like that, like a triathlete. So he had it and uh, that's, um, that's what the world record was. And then I just wrote it down and a couple years afterwards, I decided to see if I could get my fat butt out there and give it a try. So you're listed on it. I'm assuming, and well, I'm not. I don't want to assume. Has someone else taken the the, the title from you, if you will, or is someone uh, else in the Guinness Book of World Records above you? Or are you still holding that strong uh, after all these years? I, I still have it. You know, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty interesting and kind of kind of funny. I mean, uh, Guinness Book number one is based out of the UK, so you can imagine dealing with those darn Brits, man. They can be a pain in the butt, yeah. especially for us Yanks. Uh, yeah. So after I broke the world record. Well, during the world record, I had to have a poor guy with a video camera videotape the entire thing, um, yeah. which meant that some poor bloke over there in the UK had to sit around and watch my goofy butt exercise for 24 hours. And I think Guinness Book said, put the brakes on that. We don't want to torture someone again. So they actually rested the world record. So I still have the 24-hour physical fitness challenge record and will, will forever because it's rested. So... I'd be 70 years old and the, and the, the old person, well, hopefully eight or nine years old, and the old person I'm talking smack about how I still got a world record. But um, yeah, yeah still have well, that's, that's pretty cool. No, I, I, I don't know if I told you this in our preliminary talk, but I, I have limited experience with the Guinness Book of World Records. A friend of mine came up with an idea that we would paddle giant pumpkins down a river. Um, you told me. Did, yeah, we did it. It was, it was more for publicity and trying to get people aware of, of what you can grow and to get kids in the dirt. He had a great program for uh, um, uh, planting pumpkins on school grounds to get kids to understand where food came from. It was really cool, but, you know, came along and said, well, why don't you do a Guinness Book of World Records? And it's not just like you do it. They put all these rules to it, and they do. They require you to have it videotaped, or you have to pay for an independent Guinness judge to be with you throughout the whole thing. Jen Drummond, uh, who I had on, I was just saying about – the second highest peak, she has to have everything documented, recorded, videotaped, and all that stuff. Um, and if they miss anything or any part of it, um, it's it's null and void. It's nothing. So the first time that Todd did the pumpkin, we did the pumpkin, uh, Todd made it three and a half miles, and we videotaped it. But there was like this, you know, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of the Taunton River. There was like a 500-foot stretch that there was no video of him paddling down the river, and it, that wasn't in consideration. Um, so it's kind of crazy, but that's cool. So you have it, you, you have it forever. So you're going to go down in the history books as the, as only, so you're only the second person to receive it and it's now rested and nobody else can go for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the particular one, mine, the 24 hour physical fitness challenge, they have another one that they started, which was, I think like 10 events and who I could do it the fastest. There was like a 12 hour or something like that. But I, you know, I lost track of it because I, I got to the point where you can imagine like every Tom, Dick and Harry out there wanted to challenge me. And, um, and again, this was 20 years ago. And I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, I did not do it to like meet your ass on the playground and see who's like, you know, who, who's got, who's the toughest. I, I did it 
for me just to see if I was capable of, of uh, you know, succeeding at a challenge and a goal that I set out there and then hopefully motivate and inspire others. So I didn't do it for my ego or for the, uh, you know, the, the fame and fortune. Well, there was no, there, not much, a whole lot, not much fame and not a whole lot of fortune that came with it, but it's just more to see if I could just break the record. And so I'm doing my math. You're either approaching or at 50? Uh, 52. 52. Okay. You don't look like a day over 51. So good job. <laughs> um, well, thanks. So at 52, um, you know, were you always doing things? Were you always looking? Have you always challenged yourself to difficult things? Or was this just a point in time in your life? I've done, I've been in bars with my buddies and we challenge each other to things, not to that extreme. I go, yeah, I can do it. Why not? But not to that level. You know, where did that come from? You know, Josh, I, I mean, I, I guess I always have been like I grew up on a farm and played football in high school and was going to play college ball. But had a got a really bad injury called uh, um, anterior compartment syndrome, about lost my leg from the knee down. So I wanted to go to college. But, my, but uh, you know, my dad was a, a farmer and my mom was a janitor, so I didn't make enough money and went into military, changed, you know, challenged myself in there, got in really good shape um, and uh, excelled while I was in the, the airborne infantry. Uh, with the 10th Mountain Division, and then uh, got out and unfortunately got into uh, drugs and alcohol uh, really bad when I lived out in New Orleans. So I challenged myself with the dark side of the, uh, you know, the dark side of the force, and uh, that didn't go so well. I uh, became extremely good at that. Um, so that's kind of what, when, you know, after I, after I kicked the, the whole habit, I needed something to kind of replace the addiction that I, that I had, which was the, with the drugs and the drinking. And so fitness came in. And then from that point, I'm like, well, let's see. If you were the best at doing all this other crap, can you be the best? And, and just being the best is, is, is just a personal challenge, not better than anybody else, but just the best that I, that I personally could be. So I always had it there. So, yeah, and, and you know, um, was able just to turn around and turn it into a career and um, into a business now as well, too. Your mom was a custodian. Was she a custodian in schools? She was. And I'll tell you what, she was the best damn custodian around, man. She always taught me, if you're going to be good at something or be, you know, if you're going to do anything, be the best at it, you know? So, yeah. you know, that's kind of like I got a lot of it from her. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, I, I didn't know that. And I'm a massive uh, advocate, fan, supporter of uh, school custodians specifically. Um, they're they're uh, uh, not thanked enough and uh, they have an amazing, uh, they have an amazing job in front of them. In many cases, it's the first and last smile opportunity many kids get today. They actually do keynotes to custodial groups um, because we get 3 million homeless and foster kids today. And they, there was a lot probably when she was a custodian and that, that person that gives hope to them a lot of times is that school custodian. So it's a lot more than sweeping a broom. So um, I, I agree a hundred percent. That's pretty cool. that you say that because my mom kind of, there were kids that were, were, you know, I wouldn't say that, that were, didn't have good home lives and she just seemed to always be bringing, you know, as, as, as when I was in school, she was always bringing kids home. And at the time, you know, when you're young, you're like, what are you doing bringing this ragtag kid home? And then you realize earlier, this kid doesn't have a home to go to or definitely yeah. not a happy home. So, yeah, she was a huge inspiration and um, was one of, one of the people you're talking about. Your mom's still with you? Oh, yeah. She's still with me. Okay, good. Good. So, so was, what was what was her thought when you when you went to her and said, hey, I'm going to do this 24 hour, this 24 hour endurance challenge? Was she just like, yeah, go for it? Or did she say you're crazy type of thing? 
Uh, she's got pretty used to it because, you know, I mean, before that, like I'd, I'd been all over the world doing a bunch of crazy shit. So she was like, you know, whatever, like, you know, come back, <laughs> yeah. come back in one piece if you can. I mean, she's yeah. been pretty, ha pretty hands off. So we, there was four boys in my family. So, you know, mother, my mother got to pretty used to like, hey, if you can come back in, in almost one piece, I'll be happy to happy to see you. She only had boys, or do you, are there sisters in the mix, too? Nah, just four boys. Oh, my God. She's a saint. <laughs> On top Believe of all me. of that, a house of men. I, we, my, <laughs> yeah. my fiance's stuck in a house of men. It's myself and our two boys. And, it's all yeah, right. She knows the deal. Yeah, add two more to that mix and forget about it. <laughs> well, well, I got to tell you, here's, here's, a, here's a question for you. Uh, and, and I saw a blurb on your website. And on one of your podcasts, I've listened to, oh, I, I, I was fascinated when I started watching your videos and some of this stuff. Because I'm just like, wow, this guy is just something else. But there's there's one thing that I've never met anybody that's made this list. Um, but you were at one point one of the 50 most, was it 50 most or one of the most eligible bachelors in, in the United States of the world? Is that yeah, yeah, uh, fifty most eligible bachelors. Uh, I think it was two thousand one with People Magazine. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it was pretty because I don't definitely don't think of myself as an eligible bachelor or you know even someone that would qualify for that. So when yeah. I first got a call from People, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, you've made the list of like ten thousand guys," I, I'm like, "Hey guys, quit stop calling me, man. Quit prank calling yeah. me. Like I don't know what the hell you're talking about." Yep. And then uh, they call me again at like, I don't know, 5,000, 1,000. I'm like, whatever. And then finally at 100, they're like, man, you made it to 100. And I'm kind of like, again, like, yeah, okay, that's cool, whatever. And then they call me at 50. And they're like, hey, you made, you're one of the People Magazine's 50 most eligible bachelors. And um, as you imagine, I was pretty shocked. And that's one thing my ugly ass didn't think the way the list I'd ever make would be people magazine yeah. it, it was pretty interesting though you yeah, know we need a little bit of an update on that <laughs> perfect time it was oh, perfect timing yeah well wait a second wait a lots second. lots happened in 21 years <laughs> hey, nicole welcome perfect Thank timing you. doing Can good so uh jogi got off the camera somehow i think let me just yeah yeah, yeah. And get it. yes just might need just bounce back and forth but that's all right uh, we'll keep the camera on Nicole as you're talking about the the Bachelor. Yes. Uh, so, so who were the who were some of the fifty that you were in in the? I mean, it wasn't it was just a list, right? It wasn't like a competition. You weren't like getting votes or anything. It was no, they um, they just make a list, and I mean, cause, yeah. you know, yeah, like George Clooney, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Tiger Woods. Um, I mean, a bunch of ugly ugly guys like that on that list, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Like, I don't know any of those guys. Well, I know Ben Affleck, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah. Well, needless to say that when they flew us all to uh, to a club, uh, lower I don't know, lower Manhattan somewhere, and me, I'd never done anything like this. So Nicole likes to laugh about this story. There's like 700 women I know because I was told afterwards standing out there in this line. So I stand in the line. I'm like, well, this is the entryway, and then. I was there about a half an hour and some woman comes up. She's like, are you one of the bachelors? I'm like, yeah. She's like, uh, honey, you don't stand in the line. Yeah. Up, like, I'm like, I have no idea. Man. I'm this old country boy, you know? I'm like, shit, I'm just going to stand in this line and wait. So VIP. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty interesting experience because it was June of 2001. And needless to say, not, you know, I mean, the, the VIPs didn't, didn't talk. 
to us, uh, you know, us lowly individuals. But the guy they ended up talking to was a firefighter from New York. And so we hung out and exchanged numbers, became buddies, like drank and, um, you know, kept in touch. And then unfortunately he died in the, uh, the towers of um, 9-11. So no it was way. pretty sad that the only guy that I really talked to was a firefighter from New York. But um, yeah, pretty surreal experience. Wow. Wow. Um, that's wild. Um, yeah. And you were, uh, so you, you were like the original, like bachelor reality TV show, you know, a bunch of women looking to meet that single guy in lower Manhattan. And Nicole, you, oh, Nicole, you weren't, Nicole, you weren't in that line, were you? No. Yeah. No? Yeah. <laughs> Except it, it was it was real reality because there was fifty of us and there was a seven hundred capacity club. They have seven hundred women, and uh, I'm just gonna tell you, man, it was a, it was. I've never been exposed to anything like that. They gave me like two volunteer. They called them handlers, like to get my drinks and stuff like that. So I'm kind of like, damn, man, I'm, this is a this is a. I could get used to this lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Then the cold came yeah. along, and messed it up, messed it all up. I don't have exactly. Handling. That's why we need an update. The, the only handling I get now yeah. is me. Wow, that is that is wild. So Nicole, when did you come into the picture? Oh man, when did I come in? Around two thousand four. I met her at the club. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Two thousand four during an interview uh, to open up a uh, little boutique gym in Washington D.C. Okay. I obviously got the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we met working together and saw eye to eye on a lot of things, and uh, I guess the rest would be history. So we met in the yeah. fitness industry, and we're we're still doing it. All these years later, that's awesome. And so, yeah. the boutique uh, gym was was it gut check or was it something else? It was something else at the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is gut check fitness? Other than well, you make the, I think you, the tagline is "Make the world your gym." Is that is it something like that? The, the earth is your gym. Make, is your, your earth is your gym. I'm, yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Gut Check Fitness, I started when, after I got out of the military, Josh, I, I got an actual green to gold um, scholarship to, for law school and was, uh, I, I did really well. Like, hell, I was poised to be like the, the next white Johnny Cochran, you know, like I was crushing yep. it, man. Argue my ass off and after the military and, um, but was sitting for my law school admissions test and woke up one day and, you know, like so many of us out there. You find yourself going like, what do I really want to do with the rest of my life? And I was quite sure that being a lawyer was not it. Mm -hmm. I, I just like, I'm like, man, I can't see, you know, I know some good lawyers. My sister-in-law is a lawyer. Um, I can't think of another one outside of my sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, I like to so what am I going to do? Well, you know, I uh, dropped out and then traveled around. That's why I lived in New Orleans and, uh, you know, got caught up in, in bad stuff. And when I finally got, got out of that, I uh, decided that I was going to go back to college and get a degree in, uh, in exercise, physiology, kinesiology. Uh, so I did and um, decided, you know, I wanted to do something different. And I, I, having been in the military, I missed that band of brothers and sisters, that camaraderie, that having mm -hmm. each other's back, that, you know, that whole hot high speed part of it, the hoorahs part of it. But there was nothing out there. I mean, you could either go to gym and pump weights, like I'm sure you know, you know, or you could go. No, I actually, I actually don't. I was going to call this the world's fattest and the world's fittest. <laughs> so, 
Um, <laughs> I'm learning a lot right now. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, there, there are very few options. I mean, you can go yeah. to Jazzercise. Uh, you can go pump weights. Um, that was about it, like, during the, uh, yeah, during the 90s, so, in early 2000s. So, decided to start a company based upon uh, what I'd learned in the military. And it's, uh, we've been doing it now. I've been doing it for over 20-plus years. Uh, basically, the Earth is our gym. We are, you don't need brick and mortar. We use, we use uh, primarily body weight calisthenics, which I know at 52 has kept my my joints and, and you know shoulders yeah. and knees and stuff pretty pretty healthy. And we do use like a light set of dumbbells and people for classes, but we use a lot of like logs and rocks and stuff like that. And um, yeah, this gut check and it, uh, it it came about from my drill sergeant down at Fort Benning, Georgia, um, mm-hmm. when he was smoking my butt and I was 18 years old. And he said. <laughs> Say, son, right now is a gut check. And I remember I wanted to cry because I thought the drill sergeant Baker was beating on me and just picking on me because I was a lowly little teenager, you know, from the Midwest. But in yeah. reality, he was trying to make a better man out of me. So did me a favor. Did me a favor. So are you the only trainer for gut check? Is there, are there multiple, lo- like, can I be a, well, I can't be, but could someone that's in shape be a gut check certified person like is it a franchise what is how does it all work yeah. um yes we do have all options we have instructors that work with us here in san diego we also have an affiliation program where we have uh, different branches throughout the u.s and we um australia also but covid kind of kiboshed that for a little bit yeah it's coming back um so yeah the affiliation program that we do have um and we do have a certification in order to bring those people on and learn how to um, you know, not only just teach a, a workout, but uh, the method behind our madness, because there is programming, there is a lot of things that go into outdoor fitness versus mm-hmm. just, you know, a trainer in the gym. So that's kind of what sets us apart. Yeah. Okay. So I shouldn't just go outside in the yard and just pick up big rocks and put them down and I mean, that's, that's me getting, that's me yeah. getting my gut check fitness on. There's, there is, there is rhyme and reason to the, to the stuff I saw online that you have these people do. It's not just. It, 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 no, it totally, it totally is. I mean, we, yeah. there's definitely a methodology. And that's one thing we teach. I mean, definitely with all the classes that we, that we do, but also with our affiliate program too, is how to program weekly and turn it into longevity. And, you know, because my thing is like, you know, I mean, yeah, listen, you know, it's not about big biceps like Arnold or a big old booty like Kim Kardashian. I mean, ultimately, I think, yeah, I think like, you know, the thing about health and fitness is just growing old with, with your, your pride and your dignity somewhat intact and mm-hmm. being able to leave this life, which we're all, you know, going to eventually with your head held high and, 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 and again, be as proud of a man or woman as you can and somewhat have your, you know, your, your, your body and your faculties intact. And that's kind of what our goal is. It's not just a, it's not, it's not weight loss or supermodel bull crap or, yeah. All, all that, quick it's not quick fixes you know it's a, it's a lifestyle yeah. yeah have fun yeah yeah no that's that's awesome and and um i had will schneider on i don't know if you've listened to many of my podcasts but he was my last podcast i'm still trying to get it approved we got a little we got a little uh we tend to keep it pg-13 with the swear words but i think we got a little passionate in that episode out of a hundred and some odd episodes we and it didn't get that it didn't get published or it got held back so but uh will will and i were talking about he's a yoga instructor he's more than a yoga instructor but that's one of the things he does is yoga and um i don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or offline was like you know how did covid impact you know your day-to-day because 
you, you know, you, your, your, your job, your livelihood involves being close to people during a pandemic. I'm a public motivational speaker. I'm the hype guy is, is uh, my new, my new title because inspiration, motivation speaking, I think is overused and a lot of people don't do it. They just say that they do. So, uh, but as a hype guy for audiences, um, it was, it shut me down completely. And I, and I didn't embrace virtual, like I didn't embrace zoom. Was that something is that something and where you guys are making the earth your gym i'm guessing that you kind of you're not in like a, a square box of space like did you do that if you did how hard was it and then i guess the second part of that question is are you doing virtual today yeah good question i yeah because you know the good thing about being outdoors josh even like the pandemic unfortunately we you know parks and stuff were shut down which was extremely i think one of the silliest damn things ever we won't get into the whole COVID and all the silliness of it because we know we know common sense was the first victim of COVID. but um we did have to stop teaching outdoors and teaching in groups and stuff like that so we were able to shift to zoom um and it, people like it so we have people from all over the world uh, we work a lot with the uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation, uh, Operation Rebound. We work mm -hmm. with uh, veterans organizations and stuff like that. Um, yeah, healthcare, healthcare workers and stuff. And it's still like, it's still the motto, the earth is your gym. Uh, mm -hmm. You can do it anywhere. We do it on the road. We teach the workout classes. People tune in. Um, we just give yeah, them the basic, like, so. we give them the basic format. But then we also have a library of like, what, two or 300 videos. Yep. Uh, that people can can check out as well. And again, it's just basic. No need for like a whole lot of expensive equipment and um, just good stuff. You know, it gets you up, gets you moving every day. Get that yeah. blood flowing. Yeah. So I could buy. And I'm in Boston. I don't know if you have any affiliates out here, but let's oh, yeah. just say I like fall in love with the program. I could buy a membership and do online, live and recorded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can do, so do live. Yeah. yeah, the beauty of that is you can tune in live, but if the timing isn't right for you, being on the East Coast and mm -hmm. whenever we are, uh, a day, whatever, you can watch the recording at, a, at your convenience, which is mm -hmm. nice. And you have up to a certain amount of time in order to get that workout in. Um, it also is accountability because I can see if you're doing it or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's accountability too. It's, and it's a fun way to. to do something different too. It's you don't have to do it every single day. You can pick and choose. So and the nice thing about it too is it, we've, it's definitely created a community. You know, at first like having been like in person outdoors, I'm kind of like, man, there ain't no way in hell I want to do like online mm -hmm. stuff. Um, garage. Yeah, like in a garage. We had to do it in a garage because you couldn't go out to a park. You know, yeah. like God forbid yeah. you're in a park out there all by yourself. So we had to do it in a garage, which again made no damn sense. And of course, our our neighbors loved us for that. But um, yeah. it's nice now because there's definitely a community. And I think the beauty of it, one thing I really have noticed is, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, is the problem we're having with our veterans. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. 22 days commit suicide. And yeah. I think a lot of them, number one, just get caught up in it's hard. I mean, it's almost impossible for them to get outside. So, you know, not wanting to do that, I feel that this has really helped a lot. And we have, again, a good veteran community. Yeah that is doing it at home. They don't have to be outside. They don't have to face people. They can still be home, but now they have this community of like-minded people online. Um, it also takes intimidation away. Yeah, it definitely also, does. Yeah, yeah, and it takes intimidation away too, because you know, with, I mean, I, Nick and I have been doing this for a long time, yeah. where we're doing an exercise like, hey, if you can't do this, modify, man. I mean, modify, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, you know, so. Yeah. 
you know, if you, you don't want to do 15, do do five. You know, you don't want to do. No one's watching. Yeah, no one's. Yeah. Well, we are watching. Well. So watching. you don't need to have your camera on? I can have somebody step in for me? Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't have to have a camera. Like, people, yeah. like, a lot of people don't even turn their video or their audio on. You know, just, you know just, what? We're there for them. It's, yeah. Do what you need to do. So, I mean, you guys, like, seem too, like, too good to be true as far as, like, just, you know, just your attitude and your mindset and all this stuff. And like I said, when I when when I got introduced to you, I'm like, this guy's going to start. The only thing I could think of when I started seeing these races, and I want to get into some of these crazy races and things you did, but I want to got a couple more on this this gut check because I'm just I'm really kind of fascinated. I'm sitting here saying, you know, you're 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 working with the top one percent, right? The top one percent of performers with your program, but through this conversation, I'm hearing, you know, veterans that may be. Uh, not not as in shape as they were when they were in the service and some other people and having this virtual like is your program designed for virtually anyone is that the idea <clears throat> it, it is it and that's, yeah it can be you know josh i mean growing you know man growing up um, on a farm and having a, my you know my mom was a hard-working janitor and mm -hmm. my dad was you know welder slash farmer i mean we didn't have a lot of money i mean i couldn't afford a damn Bowflex or or uh, any fancy equipment like that i mean so you had to get creative and make do, but that that's when I learned that, hey, if you really want something bad enough, you'll figure it out and make it happen. And you don't need a lot of money because I think one of the things we've heard over the years is a lot of people say, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't buy this. I can't buy that. Yeah. So I'm like, you don't need it. I mean, we tell them like every day, like, if you can afford dumbbells, man, get a freaking get a, get a sandbag, get a cinder block, get a, you know, get a gallon jug of milk. I mean, gallon jug of milk for beginners would be all right, but... <laughs> You know, get a get a forty of you know old English or something like that. Yep. Whatever you need to work out. Yep. Wow. That's uh, yeah. I got a Peloton because um, I got a bunch more shirts that I needed to hang up. So that's, <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. What, and it's right next to my treadmill, and that holds my pants. So <laughs> and your both uh, legs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get two of those. You know, they, they, it's a it's a monthly commitment with them. For you buy it for nineteen dollars a month for the rest of your life. You're you're on the hook for it. So. And then um, it's not paid off. Your kids can pay it off after that. Are those guys still around? Bowflex? I don't hear that name anymore. I they used saw to do... one the other day. I'm like, holy moly. Yeah. I told you I'm still around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and it's funny you have all these. And I didn't, I don't know if I told you, I, I grew up in the, the weight loss wellness business. I actually grew up in a, um, my mother was a, a manager for a territory for what was called Gloria Stevens Figure Salons. They had 1.5 million members. Actually had the founder um, he's 91, uh, now Joe Mulkey. And, uh, it's amazing that the, all of the work that companies go through to provide equipment that is just like some of it, you just go, you shake your head and you're like, this is ridiculous. Like in the seventies, they had this machine. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it had a leather belt and you would wrap it around your waist and you'd lean back and the, this oh, machine yeah. would just jiggle. I called it the jiggle, the jiggle belt. Um, and that was supposed to just melt away the pounds. And it was the most ridiculous thing known to man. I'm actually, I've been trying to find one to put it in my office, just as kind of like a, a memory of, of what I grew, grew, up, grew up around. Yeah, I was the only male. There was no men allowed in any of the salons. There were 370 salons and I was the only one. I was, you know, four to eight years old or whatever. But um, my, my mom was a single mom. So my you know, I'd go to her office and hang out and I was the only male that was allowed during business hours. So I'd see all of the equipment, but the little trampolines and the jiggle belts. And you just now that you look back, you go, who the hell ever thought that would work? What is that supposed to do? 
but now they've got this thing called the pre-fit or prem fit or something and it's it's literally like pads you put on your body and it, it it's like electrical and it moves back like it's like electric shock treatment. It's like, what pain are you putting yourself through? And you guys are sitting here saying, well, use sandbags, cinder blocks. You know, don't don't tell me you can't afford it and don't tell me you can't find something to work out with. That's that's pretty interesting. And just so the the so do you have like every member? Do you do you do like a, a test with them to see what their capacity or capability is to work off of? Or do you just say, come on board? Because you said something about like, hey, if you can't do 15 pushups, let's get you to do five. Like, how does that how do you how do you how do you work balance a, a group or a, an online session? Yeah, so depending upon what level, because uh, we have people just drop in and stuff like that. So depending upon what level they work with us, like some are monthly members work out monthly. Some just drop in. We like to do like in the military. I mean, again, I keep I'm, I'm a big believer, Josh, in the old uh, you know what is it? Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. So I, I don't over overcomplicate things. You know, like uh, we do baseline testing. Um, we give them the parameter. Of course, if they're, you know, in Australia or in New York or whatever, they, they yeah. have to do it on their own. Uh, and it's just basic body weight type stuff, cardiovascular type stuff. And then that way you can periodically, like every quarter, just kind of test and see, you know, if, if it's working. And I mean, in, in 99% of the time, well, if they're 100% of the time, if they're actually working out and doing what we tell them to, it's going to work. But you know, mm -hmm. of course, like you get some that don't and wonder why it's not working. But yeah, we have a we have a baseline testing and some people just want to drop in just to join and have fun. So it depends upon what your goals are or what you want to get out of it or how long you want to do it, you know. So I mean, it, it becomes a little bit more specified and specific for our online um, coaching. So we mm -hmm. have personal online coaching that's completely different where they could jump into a Zoom workout, but the programming is written either by Joe or I based on their level of fitness and their specific goals. So we have several online clients also that are more specific and uh, specialized. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I want to get into your races and all this other stuff, but I want, before I do that, because you, you seem like a winner and I saw this somewhere. Um, did you win a game show? <laughs> I actually, uh, Did you? yeah, I, yeah, I actually, uh, so about the time of the people magazine after the Guinness book, like just everything kept coming out of woodwork, you know, for me again, man, I'm a, I'm a farm boy from the Midwest and an, an army yep. vet, but, uh, so the one thing people don't, they didn't know is that, uh, you know, I mean, I was a honors law school, uh, dropout. Yep. So, yeah. Well, well I, I, I was a student, but I just decided I didn't want to go anyway. Yeah. It's all right. I get it. I, I five years of high school and dropped out of community college. So he's a step up. At least he got someplace further and then dropped out. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they, I got a call from um, the, uh, the game show, the, the weakest link. I don't remember. And like, you are the weakest link. Yeah. 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 So uh, they called me up and they were having tryouts for it. And I had to go to uh, Universal Studios up in L.A. For all Guinness World Record holders, so. there was like twenty five or like a mixed pot of like uh, a, yeah a little hodgepodge. So um, I ended up making the uh, the cut. There was like I think seven, six or seven. Yeah. I forget like seven people. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. Like you know, it was the, the the actually the world's fattest man against the uh, world's fittest man, and and actually the I mean it was an interesting crew. We had the world's most downloaded porn star at the time, uh, which was. Definitely, you know, for me, pretty damn interesting being 30 years yeah. old and, and single. 
But anyway, yeah. we ended up getting on the, the game show, and it came down to the world's fattest man. Athlete. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's actually, his real title was the world's largest living athlete, and he weighed uh, about 800 pounds. And actually, wonderful guy. Manny Yarbrough, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, but uh, it ended up being me versus him, and he was seven foot... <laughs> Seven foot tall, weighed 781 pounds. So they had to build, they had to get a box for my little dwarf butt to stand on to uh, so compete against him. Like, uh, but uh, I ended up winning, um, yeah, winning the game show The Weakest Link. And I donated the money to my, my college to set up. My mom was sick with, uh, she had mesothelioma at the time from a movement and asbestos at the school. And they fired her. So I set up a scholarship for low-income smart kids uh, in her name. So I called it the Diane Decker Memorial Scholarship. So Which was $75,000. Yeah, $75,000. And it's one of the larger scholarships at my university right now. It is the largest. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. How cool was that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. So um, I'm just looking this up. If this isn't on YouTube, I hope you have like a VCR tape of this or something that you could, you've got to put this on. Um, I think the episode was I was able to find it on YouTube of you. Yeah. But yeah. Cut out before they declared the winner. Yeah. I, mean, I need to put it up. I, I have it. Yeah, on. you got you got you got to put that up because I saw it somewhere. Um, and when I do a search for you, the weakest link, it, you come up with the WWF Superstar Special, which uh, that's a different one. But you 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 got to make this something that's accessible for people to see because I, I want to see I'm intrigued now I want to see this I want to see the, the special block they made for you so you could match up head to head <laughs> with the world's it's largest hilarious. athlete 781 pounds wow yeah he wow. was a big man and actually a super nice guy the interesting thing is after him and I were on the show together HBO came to us and they wanted Manny because he was no, he had won the um, world sumo championships I think in like 95 or 96 something like that they wanted yep. him to wrestle again so hbo wanted me to train manny to get him ready to wrestle again um and when i first we weighed him in we had to take him to a junkyard to put him on junkyard scales because there was no conventional scales that could weigh a man wow. that size um it was, it was amazing man he was he was a massive man and super nice guy again god rest his soul well the uh the the junkyard to weigh yourself. I haven't gotten there to that point yet. That's <laughs> now good to know they have a scale somewhere that if that happens, I can, <laughs> they, um, they, they, they do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so you get this title in two thousand and one. You become one of the fifty most eligible bachelors. You go on the weakest link. Like you did all this really cool stuff, and like you haven't even gotten started yet. Cause then you started doing this other crazy stuff. Cause I saw that you've, you actually won the, the Spartan death race twice, right? Once what? wasn't enough. Like that m people don't run it twice. You, you ran it twice and won it twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, is that right? No, and if I'm wrong on something, I'm doing all of this from my brain from three weeks of history lessons going back last month. So if I'm wrong on something, please correct me. But, um, is that right? You won it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won it at uh, age 40. Um, and again, you know what, I just, I love, I see a challenge. I see some out there that uh, intrigues me and motivates me. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer and, you know, if you're going to do something, do it the best that you can. And so train for it, uh, just using the same workouts that 
created with with our company gut check fitness and won it at age 40 and then i actually enjoyed it so much i you had so much fun yeah it's so much fun i got flesh-eating bacteria uh uh yeah all kinds of good stuff so i went back and did it again at age 41. I'm pretty sure I might have gotten flesh-eating bacteria from the salmon that I ate at Miami Airport because they asked me how I wanted to cook the other night, so I, uh, I didn't need to. I didn't need to do the Spartan death race for that. Um, so you, it's wait, got you the sushi at an airport. Oh, no, 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 no. This was a restaurant. This was like oh, a okay. restaurant in the airport, and I asked for the salmon dinner, and he said, "How would you like that cooked?" And I should have just said, "I'd like you know just a bottle of water instead," but I went with it. And I'll be honest with you. I don't know how it was cooked because they just basted it in this stuff. So I couldn't tell you, but uh, I may have a flesh eating something inside of me right now. Um, so what, so what is the Spartan death race for people that aren't, I mean, these obstacle races, they're all over the place. Now my mother at 60 something, she's in her sixties. I can't say how far into her sixties, but she just did one of these challenges of 5k and she wore a tutu and I mean, God bless her. She didn't train and she went out and she did a 5k obstacle run, uh, in the mud two or three weeks ago and, and completed it. Uh, you obviously not wearing a tutu in something called the Spartan death race, but I'm guessing it's more than 5k and more than, you know, whatever number of obstacles. What, what, what does that entail? Yeah, you did it, yeah. Each each year was a little bit different. Um, it was generally like I think the first year took like uh, like twenty seven hours, and the second year was like I don't know thirty, like thirty four hours or something like that. So straight, no sleep, no break. Yeah, no, 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 no. You you go you go nonstop. Um, just a combination, a lot of stuff. But you know, on a lot of these, like you have from the five k for people that just want to go out and have fun, mm-hmm. all the way up to uh, the multi day ones like uh, like the Baltimore suck that, that we host it just kind of yeah. depends what you're looking for you know yeah you what what you, you so you did the uh you did the bad is it the badland bad water bad water you did the bad water you've done uh, the, the run across the Himalayas you've done a whole bunch of them what was what was the the toughest what was the toughest one on you as far as I mean, you went and did the the Spartan Death Race a second time because you liked it so much. One of the some of these races you had to not like or just really pushed you. I read, I heard something on one of them that you did. Uh, I think it was in Africa that the sun was rising or the sun was setting, and instead of continuing the race or something, you smoked a cigar and I think had a glass of wine or something like that. Like you make these races fun. Like some you're doing, you're not just like intense, like going after it. You're 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 enjoying the moment. Were there any that you really weren't enjoying the moment or you just said, what am I doing here? <laughs> hey, I, man, any of these you do, like these ultras and stuff like that. I mean, I'm human, you know, there's all of us, like there's certain moments, right, Nick? Yeah. You just, there's certain moments when, I mean, you just don't like it. Uh, mm-hmm. One point, I, I would say like um, one of the worst was during the Badwater 135 my first year. <laughs> I had just finished, well, I just finished up the, race across the Himalayas, a 500 mile trans Himalayan race, the, the Ray Galois, uh, the Western States, hundred miler, Leadville or Leadville, 100 miler. I mean, no, yeah, Leadville, yeah. anyway, my brain's not working. <laughs> yeah. Um, during the, the, about mile one, I don't know, mile hundred, um, my feet got swollen. I didn't know about, about, um, uh, wearing larger shoes because your feet, like during an ultra race, they sweat, they swell up to what two or three sizes bigger. Yeah. And so I had my, I had my um, crew guy cut the uh, toes out of my shoes. Like in my, my, 
toes went like ding and like shot yeah. out. So I had like four inches of toes as I'm running. They kept digging in the asphalt. So man, I'm running, tripping over my toes. The meat's coming off of them. Um, I'm delirious. And uh, so I told my crew guy, Greg Jenkins, I want him to cut my little toes off because my little toes were the biggest nuisance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably one of the lowest points I had right there. He argued with me for quite some time about cutting my little toes off. And you know what? The next day, or when I finally did get to sleep, woke up, I was very happy that he didn't cut my little toes off. So that was probably one of the one mm-hmm. of the lower points. And I would say, I would give you this advice, guys: you do something like that. No matter how much you want to cut off an appendage, don't do it during the event. Wait till afterwards. Think about it. If you want to cut it off, go for it. Most likely, you're not going to want to. So. Warn your crew. Yeah, warn your crew. Don't let them. Don't don't give you a knife because you yep. might just do it. Yeah. No. I. I. That's. Wow. Two to three. Your shoe size goes up two. I didn't know that. So after you yeah. run that distance, it just your foot expands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think about it on asphalt like that because uh, bad water's through Death Valley and it's all on asphalt. Your yeah. feet just—I mean—they take a beating and the heat's 140 degrees out. So I mean, how many shoes did you melt? Uh, seven pairs of shoes. Melted the soles off seven pairs of shoes. Yeah. During how many how many hours were you going when you hit a hundred miles? Uh, boy, I don't know. Like maybe, like maybe thirty, like maybe thirty hours or something like that. Like twenty, like. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Like a long time. Are you a really probably. patient person? <laughs> I am, except except when it came to marriage, boy. I don't know about it. marriage. I used to be patient. Now yeah. I have no patience any tolerance. No, I just I, like, and maybe it's my ADD, but I can't. I haven't driven a hundred miles, and every shiny <laughs> every shiny object distracts me. Like in a week, right? Like, how do you have that? Like. Laser focus. How do you have that laser focus and that ability to just like I'm I'm being honest with myself. I'm just sitting here going, you know, and I and I think it takes a certain I've got a a great friend, Ed Rossich, who lives out in California, that uh he's in his fifties and he's been running ultras and he tried to run across the country and was done run across Georgia and he does it for like fun. And when I talk to him on a Saturday, on a random Saturday, I'd be like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, I just got done running 18 miles. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Why didn't you run 19? It's a joke. He's like, well, that's tomorrow. But So I think it takes a special kind of person. But how do you stay in that mindset? Do like, And, and I know it's just one foot. You just try to concentrate on one foot in front of the next. But that, that's wild. I think there's a sense of peace that kind of comes through your body. I'm speaking from ex- my own experience. Yeah. I was going to say, are you, that was my next question. Are you a runner too? Or have you done these? Yes. Yeah, I have. <laughs> okay. But it's, there's a sense of, spe- um, I guess, serenity and just uh, being in your own, I guess, head, if you will, but escaping everything from the everyday world and just being you within that time and enjoying where your body can take you. Um, and, you know, appreciating everything that's around you. I mean, yeah, it sucks at certain times, but yes, it's beautiful at other times. So it's just interesting, you know, when you're doing these races and you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's like, well, I couldn't drive on this trail. I might just look around and see the beauty of everything. So that's true. I I think like, I I agree with Nick and you just kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's weird because I, I've been diagnosed with ADD and, OCD and OPP and all kinds of crap like that. Yeah. And um, you just kind of go in this zen. You just get inside and you just kind of, you just shut everything down. And it's really nice because if you're a person, you know, like yourself, like it's hard to let that go. 
And I think you being able to have that is like, it's nice because it gives you kind of a little reset, you know, Josh, you just get back and you're like, all right, all right, this wasn't so bad, you know, like I, I needed that, that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes some people need to feel pain to feel alive again, <laughs> yeah. like this one. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and I'm not saying pain, you know, injuring yeah. yourself, but well. feeling, you know, the hurt, the grind, the, you know, one step forward, yeah, like, yeah. only two more hours of this, or you know, yeah. one more mile that's going to take me two hours, <laughs> who knows? But it's kind of that sense of mentality, too, I think. I agree. And were you, were you a runner? Because uh, you were a paratrooper, right? Yeah. In the military. No, so yeah, hell no, man. I'm a power yeah, I was, um, yeah, the, uh, I, we, it's it, like, it's crazy how my life works and how like things tie together. Like your mom being a custodian in schools. And I talked to a lot of them and the, the tie in there. I actually did a podcast yesterday. So I was supposed to be in Key West Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday for a leadership summit. And I was wow. down there Sunday and Monday, midday, I decided to leave and, um, my co my co-host on my other podcast, Paul and, uh, and Ken, who was a dear friend for 20 years, we did a debrief and we had a, uh, you know, the view of the water and the waves and all that stuff going on. But one of the attendees who's a facility director in Oregon was a paratrooper. And he just kind of shared a story with one person that someone overheard and he had a chair and he was a paratrooper and his, his shoot failed. Uh, and so he told the story about his shoot failed. And then by the time he was, he had to cut the shoot and then he, the secondary and he was already on yeah. the ground and ended up messing himself up pretty good. So I'm sure there's some endurance involved in, in anything in the military, but I'm guessing jumping out of a plane, you're not running ultra marathons after that. You're trying to drop as close to wherever it is you want to go. So were you always a runner or was this just part of the, was this just part of the bar challenges that you got, which like, Hey, I wonder if you can do this. And then you, I mean, I sit here and I look at a couch to 5k and it's like, how do you do that? And you're, <laughs> You know, you know, it was, it was part. It's funny that you, you asked that. I, I, I don't think about it a lot. I just, you know, to, to me, it's like I've always been doing it, but I haven't. It, it was one of those things. I was a weightlifter. I was actually a, a competitive powerlifter all through high school, and even I uh, did competitive powerlifting with the uh, the army team and, and strongman stuff as well. And one day, you know, again, like you like you said that uh, bar games, a buddy's like bet me I couldn't run like I, I, I say a mile I think it was like two or three um, and mm -hmm. I think I did but I think it damn near hospitalized me so uh, after that I'm like all right well if you can hardly run two or three let's see can you run four or five and started doing it started doing it it's just always like I was like okay if you've done that now let's see if you can do that and then just powerlifters aren't supposed to run yeah powerlifters aren't right. supposed to run so but then I think one of the things that in the 90s like I didn't there was no one to really to mentor me there wasn't i didn't know of any competitive power lifters that were competitive ultra runners too so utilizing my degree and um you know in that i had and my know-how from from all my experience i was able to kind of melt the two worlds together which mm -hmm. was for me absolutely um you know just phenomenal i mean it was just like so intriguing too because being able to be able to lift heavy and run far was just unheard of um, so, yeah. and that's going to help break, help me break the world record too, because it was as much strength as it was endurance. So yeah, no, yeah. wasn't always, wasn't not always a runner. I still want to say right. it's one of my favorite things to do, but yeah, it was, that was, do you still run just, do you still run distance today or are you just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and my goal is I'm trying to get back into the, the ultra running and stuff. I, you know, I took a break and people are like, oh, you know, why? 
And I'll tell you what, one of the things, Josh, that I've learned was so hard about staying at that level and competing at that level and training at that level is the mental fatigue. You know, training mm -hmm. for bad waters or for world records or for Himalaya races or for, you know, all that stuff. The mental fatigue is what got me. And I found myself falling into like kind of like depression, I think, a little yeah, bit too. Yeah, like, it kind of did some damage, just meaning. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It wasn't helping him, you know, and he couldn't recover as well because his mentality wasn't there and you weren't appreciating it like you should have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm just trying to get back into it again. But. I want to get back into it and actually enjoy it. I know you're going to be like, well, how the hell is a 50K or 50 mile, mile or enjoyable? Well, it is if you're not trying to, you know, be the top 10% or something like that. And you're just out there and have a good time and smoke a cigar and have wine afterwards. <laughs> afterwards. Afterwards. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you're in competition with yourself, right? Opposed to being in competition with everybody else. And that's, the, that's a tough thing for people to... Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, David Zart just said, FYI for Joe, I am in Tennessee and will crew the Barkley. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds like it's probably a race and something that he you got you got part of your crew already lined up. So Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, David may be waiting a while. So Barkley is uh considered it's considered the world's toughest, one of the world's toughest ultra marathons. I think what, Nick? Thirteen people in in uh, 13 like, thir 14, like thirteen yeah. or fourteen, fifteen people uh Josh and like 30 years have completed it so um i actually how many people got, run it uh or how many people attempt to run it by the sounds of the 13 to 15 people that have actually completed so it. only I, my numbers escape me because i've i've been there twice i got invited twice uh and it's the only race i've ever dropped out of twice i won i won the death race twice completed bad water twice did all this crap twice um and assumed that i could do barkley at least once um but couldn't complete it and uh it's kind of my nemesis right now but um yeah so that's why david's put it out there he, he thinks it's probably kind of funny that i got my ass handed what, to me at, at, uh, what makes at that so much harder than these other races that you're will that you're almost having to remove your pinky toe <laughs> well just yeah you have to read up on it you know if you get off this thing look up barkley marathons because the guy okay. the guy that runs it he makes you and i look normal he's a complete fruitcake one of the most yep. wonderful humans you ever meet in your life. Yeah. Um, and the race is in Frozen Head State Park. Um, what happened was, um, crap, the guy that shot Martin Luther King. Um, oh, yep. what was his name? Um, I'm getting my coming to me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he escaped from prison there. And 24 hours later, they found him like eight miles away. So the locals said, hey, let's make a race here. Um, this sounds like it's crazy. Uh, so it has like 60,000 feet of elevation gain uh, over the course of 100 miles. Um, you have to find trees. You have to find, you have to find books in trees at night. Um, it's just, it's absolutely insane. I mean, you know, the, 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 the fog becomes a factor. The elevation becomes a factor. There's absolutely no trail. So you're bushwhacking the whole way. So, um, yeah, there's there's all that. So yeah, you look at that, that's 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 the Barkley, and it's still one of my favorite events out of there, out there, and it's uh, one I've never completed. Well, James Earl Ray. Barkley. James Earl Ray was the who James assassinated. James Earl Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking John Wells, um, like wrong, yeah. wrong person. Yeah. So it's not just running; it's 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 everything. 
I mean, yeah. it's navigating, it's land nav, it's, and, and a lot of it's luck too. I mean, it's yeah. just luck, like, because I know one of the years the, the fog was so thick, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And you're trying to navigate in the mountains for 100 miles and you can't even see your hand. So, you know, you need us to say not not many of us made it uh, very far in, in that, that year. But anyway, is, is, there a time, is there a time limit to this? Is that why it's not finished by many people or is, do, people just, yeah, do you, people just give up? Uh, you have it's either 60 or 100 hours, um, but most most people get timed out. So there's a 20 mile loop and mm -hmm. um, you got like X amount of hours, like 14 hours or something. Uh, to make it per loop but if you don't make it i think yeah then you get timed out so uh, it's pretty common to get timed out wow well i'm gonna i'm gonna look this i'm gonna have to look this stuff up um so you started your own race i, I did you or know competition I, I is it called a race is it is it uh, you, you know, it, it's really, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it is a race. It's a competition. Um, it's really not about like, you know, um, who's, who's the winner, who's a loser. Excuse me. It's really, I, I want to set up uh, an environment, Josh, to where people can come out and test their limits. Um, but I wanted it to be a blend of all the cool stuff that I've done over the years. Mm -hmm. So the, the powerlifting, the strongman, the military component. I mean, we have a gas chamber. We have, um, you know, we have all kinds of military type stuff. Um, you have. Let's, let's let's step back at gas chamber. So if, if you if you don't mind, because I mean, I, I've never heard of a, a race or competition that involves a gas chamber. Is there real gas in the gas chamber? What are you uh, What are you hitting these guys with? It's civilian gas, so it doesn't really count. It's only I, I tried getting this uh, military grade, but uh, apparently my, my buddy who's a colonel at the local guard station said that it's illegal for him to give me a regular CS gas to use mm -hmm. on civilians, which I thought was a little bit of BS. But so, um, yeah, I'm me too. I, I think we should have a discussion about that with the colonel and have him on sometime. So, so there's uh, this is uh, learning life lessons here. So, there's a civilian tear gas. I'm assuming it's tear gas we're talking about, or some. Uh, it's a, like a pepper spray, but I, I I test out new ones every year, and uh, so this year I found out bear spray is the the, the winner. It was hands down uh, everyone's uh, least favorite, which mean it was the uh, the number one spray that we that we used on them. So um, that's what I'll be going with from now on is is a heavy duty bear spray. All right, so. You do you do this race? These people are doing this knowingly and paying an entry fee to do it, and they get put in a gas chamber where you hit them with bear spray. <laughs> it sounds a lot worse than it is. It's more of a no. It's it's no. It actually is pretty. It's pretty bad in my head. I mean, I'm sitting here going, these people and these people know that it's coming. So this is amazing. Like, uh, yeah. So you you hit them with it. They have to stay in there for a period of time. Like, what's the challenge? What's the what do they have to do? So they have to do, and we don't actually spray them in the face or spray them. We just spray at the we spray the room. Like I would never just spray them with. Them. I mean that would be torture. Now David Zart, I I might spray with that, but uh, yeah, no, I think you should. I think we should. I should think we should impose a, a face spray. I think that that should be for next year. Face spray of bear of of bear tear gas. I think that's <laughs> yeah. So you spray the room, and they have to do ten burpees, and they have to count out loud. So you make sure that they're actually breathing in the air, and yeah. uh, they just. We lock the door so they got 10 burpees in there and then they come out and we even have like a, 
nice little dunking station set up where they can wash off their face and you know kind of kind of clean up a little bit i mean it's actually not that bad and then they, they go climb ropes afterwards yeah your description actually made it sound a lot more fun it sounded just like you know me going to check the mail it's like when to check the mail or get sprayed with some bear spray. <laughs> it's, like a, it's, a, it's a it's a toss-up um and I saw, so I, I, you've got a Facebook page and you show a lot of this stuff. Um, I saw something that you called the spa, but it looked like a moat um, <laughs> that I don't know if there's alligators in Cuba, Illinois, but if there were, they'd be in this thing. Um, do they just swim across that a couple of times or what does that, what does that entail? Uh, yeah, they, they swim across it like two o'clock in the morning and uh, they all call it a spa. Um it's actually really nice. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty warm, and, and, and they can get in there and kind of clean off a little bit. They do the spa, and yeah, they got the, the all the just there's just a ton of like really fun stuff, like the spa and the gas chamber and the ropes and the strong man, yeah. and strong woman equipment. And... The spa actually looks like you'd come out dirtier than when you went in, depending on what they were going through. From there's like a green film to it, uh, which is which is interesting. And they go through that at two o'clock in the morning. So you don't know if there's snakes and spiders and bears. Oh my, in this thing, you're just kind of swimming. And is, is it dark? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pitch black at night when they go through there. And we've had a real problem with alligator snapping turtles that have like kind of taken over the place. So these guys are you serious? Worried about... snapping yeah, turtles. Oh yeah. They're, they're big ones too. So I've been worried about these guys like, you know, but bothered my snapping turtles, but so far I haven't had any complaints from the turtles, so we're okay. Well, I'm really grateful to see that you're such a humanitarian that you're concerned about <laughs> snapping turtles and how they might be disrupted by your uh, by your by your athletes that are by your athletes that by the looks of the few videos that I watched on this actually look forward to the next one. Like you had one guy that's done it how many times? Who's the guy that's done it the most? Uh, I got uh, yeah, Brad Brad Malley from uh, L, from L.A. Uh, originally from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So that explains a lot. He's done it what Nick six times, yeah, yeah. six uh, six times. Tracy's done it five. And um, it, how many really, years? Yeah. Have, how many years have you had this event? Uh, this year was number eleven. 11. Yeah, eleven years. It got wrote up as one of the most extreme tests of fitness uh, in the nation. Um, and I know I and I we laugh and joke about it, but. It really is a unique um, event because our thing, unlike a lot of events out there, Josh, is we want you to finish and we try our hardest to get you through it. But the course is so challenging, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. But we're, we're going to try our damnedest to, to help you get through it. We have a four and a 12 There's a tractor pull, wasn't there? A tractor pull or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they do a tractor pull. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. I love how I just come up with this crazy stuff in my brain of things that don't make any sense at all for anybody to do. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw that. That was right. Yeah, they pull tractors. They, the, yeah. the tractors run and drive on their own, but we go ahead and have them pull them with rope anyway, just <laughs> just because. Um, so well, this is, thir this uh, is 36 hours. So What's that? You said, go ahead. Oh, I said like my dad's tractors, and he's not—he's uh, not exactly a real good mechanic, so they actually don't run. That's why we're not, they pull them for him. Oh, good! Move them from one side of the yard to the other, so you can mow the lawn. Got it. <laughs> exactly. And and this is the thirty-six hour race. Yeah, and like I said, we have a four and twelve hour for people to get their 
their feet wet, literally mm -hmm. wet, um, and then decide that, and a lot do the four, the 12, and then come back and, and give the 36 a go. And you're up for this whole 36 hours with them? Uh, most of it. We've, we've started actually, Nick and I switch off on the on Saturday night and take a couple naps because if not, we're just completely the query yeah. on Sunday morning after, because we're pretty much up for the entire week leading up to it. So yeah, we're out there with them. That is amazing. And so it sounds like you've got like a, a cult-like following uh, with these folks that are, I mean, they come back, they want to come back. They're challenging themselves. You're challenging them in a, in a very, um, a very interesting way. Like I said, every, everything that I've watched and seen and, you know, David Goggins type people that are, you know, stay hard and, you know, basically telling people you, you can do this and don't give me your excuses. You're, you, I mean, you sit here and you're saying, we want them to finish. We encourage them. We try to help them to, to get to that point where they feel that they've accomplished something. But you have a, you have a pretty fanatical following of folks that, uh, that believe in you, the mission and what you do. That's, that's pretty wild. Well, it's, you know, it's cool because I think one of the things we really, really preach about is if, you know, if, if there's an old show, I don't know if you remember back in the day called Pay It Forward. It's about if you can motivate, inspire and empower one human being and that person motivates, inspires and empowers another human being. Collectively, mm -hmm. I mean, it can be infinite. We can continue to motivate and inspire and empower the world, you know. So, I mean, that's really what, our, what we're all about, you know, just staying positive and and motivating and being there for one another and um, pushing one another. And, you know, cause I'm a big believer, you know, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And there is nothing wrong with having a gut check now and then there's nothing wrong with embracing a little bit of suck now and then. And I know maybe it's not for everybody, but mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you what, I do think we all need a, just a little, every now and then we need a little, a little sand in our panties, a little kick in the butt and then someone to kind of hold our hand and, you know, kind of, kind of lead us on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Is is this the? <laughs> I'm gonna ask this the funny way. Is this the only suck event that you have? Uh, no, we we have different suck events around the nation. Um, uh, the the schedule we, we're actually working on a schedule right now. Like last year, we did one in Hell, Michigan. That is, mm -hmm. but uh, we did one in Hell. We've done them in Texas. Uh, we've done them. Well, actually, we did them all up and down the coast of Australia when we were allowed to be there. Um, but I'm working on a schedule for next year because they're called we call them regional sucks. So you can come mm -hmm. out, check it out. They're only four to 12 hours. And then yeah. the big ones at my parents' farm um, back in Cuba, Illinois, which is yeah. halfway between Chicago and uh, St. Louis in the, uh, the middle of a cornfield. No. I've got Cuba uh, on, my, on my list of places to, uh, to, to check out. Um, Australia. So you had suck races in Australia. Do they uh, pretty good following down there? Is what's 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 that all about? Yeah, we had a, a really good. Like I said, prior to COVID, we had a really good following. I mean, things have been crazy, and it's still a little bit crazy down there. They're just finally getting back to, to abnormal as those darn Aussies are. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, we did. You know, from from Melbourne to Sydney to Brisbane to Perth and Adelaide, had them all over the all over the country. Wow. What's the craziest thing down there? <laughs> I, the craziest thing, oh man, everything's crazy in Australia. Number one, everything yeah. can kill you. Everything can kill you and it wants to kill you. The yeah. snakes, the, you, you name it. But I think the crazy, and I won't make it too long because the story the story is long and um, I'm still traumatized by it. But 
they have these kangaroos called Big Reds. I know if you ever seen on TV like these things. Oh flex. yeah, fighting kangaroos. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, they're, they're they're they are seven feet tall and like two hundred eighty pounds. I mean, they're size of Shaq. I mean, yeah, they're, they're Jack. They're the size of Shaq, but with talons and all kinds of stuff. So one night the there was a fire um, on the course, like a ways away from us. But I went to explore it. I got up there and something jumped out of the brush. I was all by myself, in the middle of the, the Australian outback, mate, and a damn big red jumps out. And of course, I sign on the screen and, and peed my pants at the same time. He's about six feet from me, but his his ass was on fire um, because he jumped. They jumped through the fire and they actually spread fires with their tail when they take off to get away from the fires. And um, he they they can't stop, drop, and roll because they got little T Rex hands. Yeah. So he spun in a circle and made a huge dust devil, and he was trying to put the fire out on his on his bunghole. And uh, as I'm watching this like take place, I just was I was in shock and I couldn't move or anything. And I I called Nicole and told her I saw him kangaroo with his ass on fire, and she of course thought I was crazy, and other people on the radio did, but I witnessed it. I'm telling you what, it's one of the most terrifying things you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. I think the alligator snapping turtles could have helped him out. <laughs> that ranks up there, but not as much as a kangaroo with his, with his butt on fire. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's something. I'm just visualizing it as I'm thinking through this whole thing. And it's, and you, yeah, you've got that, to, you got that going for you. Um, well, I got to tell you, I mean, we, we can cover anything else that I, that I might've missed on this, but I'm going to take a selfish, I'm going to take a selfish shift on this. Um, as I, I tend to do at the tail end of the podcast, which is something that I'm in, I'm interested, self-interested in, um, which is you wrote a book. I did. Yeah. 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 I published, uh, published a book, um, right about the same time as the, uh, the, uh, the game shows and all, all that, uh, that, uh, was going on and I published it with Penguin Publishing Company. And at the time it was the largest book deal. Um, they gave me a substantial amount of money. Um, and I know you and I talked a little bit about this before. Uh, and I thought, you know, wow, you know, this is awesome. I published this book with Penguin. You know, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, and I wouldn't say it was a bad experience. The only bad thing about publishing a book with a large publishing company is they took away a lot of my voice. And they kind of made me out to sound like, like a guy from friggin' like the Andy Griffiths show, you know, kind of like yuck, 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 like Barney Five. Um, so I wasn't very happy with the book. The book's okay. I mean, I'll be honest with you, the book's okay, but um, it's not what I wanted. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm proud I wrote it. Just not that happy with the the end result of it. I mean, if you want to check it out there, the, the Joe Decker, or the the world's fittest to you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it check it. Get yeah, it's a good, good place to get started. But uh, Were you, did you have an intention or an interest in writing the book before? Or did the publishing company come to you and say, hey, we think you should write a book because you've got a compelling story? Or um, I, I had an idea about writing something, um, putting together something, just because from my experience of training, I wanted to be more along the lines of like training for, you know, the world record and different things like that, but be able to make it a um make it doable by a lot of people out there mm-hmm. uh so yes i had an idea and uh, i had a friend that was a ghostwriter and, and helped me put together a uh a basic um just short like what the, what the outline. 
outline yeah an outline mm-hmm. um to, to send to the publishing company and the publishing so, coming all the pub all, i mean i was all over the all over the media i mean i'm on people mm-hmm. magazine i was in gq i'm this and that so for them man they just thought like oh you know crap we're gonna make millions off this this guy and yeah so is there going to be a book two and are you going to do it differently is there or are you going to hang yeah, up the book you know, writing you know what i i definitely have I've toyed with it i mean uh putting something back out there it's just i've been kind of i'll be honest i've been kind of lazy um mm-hmm. i have the general format and i have the i definitely have the material it's just now putting it together um and i definitely like you know you and i talk i would definitely self-publish i wouldn't mm-hmm. go i wouldn't go through a publishing company again um and then do it just because I, I do it because I want to do it. Like at, at first I did it because I thought I'd make a lot of money. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and in reality, you know, even though I did make some money, um, the book wasn't what I wanted. So I had the wrong intentions and uh, I think I kind of, you know, I kind of paid for it. So, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the process. As a matter of fact, the goal is May 13th of next year. And, I get this book sent to me by my accountability coach, uh, Mark Resnick, who is just amazing. And when I sat down with him, to uh, he was on my podcast, a Small World Story. Um, he's actually a brother-in-law. of. He lives here in Massachusetts, 15 minutes away from me. I met him through the Build Your Life resume, and then we, we never really talked. And then all of a sudden, he was on one of my friend's podcasts that lives in Milwaukee, and uh, I reached out to him and said, how do, you, how do you know David Cooks? He's like, oh, he's my brother-in-law. And so we ended up talking and hanging out and, and having some discussions. And then we met for the first time in person a couple of weeks ago. And he sat down. He says, well, why do you want to write the book? And I said, I just want to make, you know, I, I, my reality is I talk for an hour and I make an impact in people. But there's a lot of people, believe it or not, that want more. And I want to give them something more. That's something that they can take with them that has more stories or more aha moments for them to be like, okay, now I understand. That's why he shared that story and this is what it meant go deeper. And the first thing he said was, I'm glad you didn't say you wanted to do it for the money because that's not why you write a book. And that's, that's you know, long and short of it is it, it doesn't, it, for, for the 99% of us, it doesn't make any money. And that's just, but it's yeah. just something to get out there. And I'm listening to you and I'm like, man, you can put your life story. We didn't even touch on if you want to learn um, some other things about Joe, there's a number of podcasts out there. You can there's there's podcasts, there's videos. He's got a YouTube channel um, where he talks about more a little bit more in the detail of his drugs and alcohol and his his uh, time in New Orleans. He and I shared and talked about you know it's real easy to spend a month and a, a month one night in New Orleans. Uh, you can you can you can expedite your uh, life cycle very dramatically and quickly uh, in New Orleans. And, and I've just chosen at, at 47 to just um, my addiction when I'm in New Orleans now is uh, grilled oysters. Uh, you know, I stay out of the I, I stay out of the th- three beers for the price of one or the world's biggest beer cup or any of the other yeah. stuff that uh, that tries to suck you in there. Um, but uh, no, there's there's a ton of stuff out there that you can get d- deeper and in, into. But uh, I definitely wanted. I, I'm sitting here going, man, you should you should do a life story book. I mean, just talking about the events, um, talking about the experience. Like I said, I, I I read or or listened to somewhere where you're doing this intense race, and you said, I you know I I run with a cigar and a was it a, a glass of wine or a bottle of wine? Um, yeah. And you took in this. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. So. Uh, 
you know, hopefully you share more of those stories and more of that stuff. And maybe that's what your book's going to be about, but definitely uh, I'd look forward to reading it. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much, Josh. Well, I got to tell you, I think I, I think I covered a bit of ground here from all of my homework. I felt like, I feel like I've become a super fan of, of Joe and Nicole Decker and your mission here, but um, is there anything I missed or is there anything coming up that you want to share? And if not, how do people get a hold of you? How do they become members? Where do they go? All that, all that good stuff. I'll let the, I'll let the boss get in here. When she's... Yeah, I was going to well, having us. Oh, thank you. This has been awesome. Uh, we're working on our 2023 schedule um, as we speak, but you can always count on Labor Day weekend. Um, being our our four, our twelve, and our thirty six big event um, called that Ultimate Suck. So Labor Day weekend is always uh, locked in, um, and then June will be our Midwest regional event. We're um, picking out locations as we speak, so they can follow us um, either on Facebook at uh, the Suck or Gut Check Fitness. We're also on Instagram, and then our website is gutcheckfitness.com if they want. They can also contact us directly if they'd like to. Okay. I will put all of your contact information and all your links in the show notes. This has been great. I appreciate you guys. This is, um, this has just been kind of one of those funny things where, you know, Dave, who we're going to, you know, give a shout, one more shout out to, to make this connection and have all this stuff happen. Who said, you know, that you, 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 you helped save him from him. I think was his words is that, you know, you've, you've made a difference in his, his life. And was the reason it was the way that he said it and what he said that had me say, I really want to, if nothing else, meet these people just to have some more good folks that I know. Um, but to you guys making the time and especially trying to make it during, it was during the setup of the race was the original one. Um, I appreciate you guys coming back, coming on here. We'll have to have you on again. Uh, next year for the race maybe i'll go out there in person and uh we can do we can do some live some live <laughs> I, video feeds throw me in the gas i'm gonna be honest with you uh you want to be in the gas chamber <laughs> i actually yeah. think i do i actually okay. think I, I actually think well, that I, I want to see what it is that people find uh that they're that they're willing to go knowingly getting sprayed not in the face because that would be cruel but yes. getting getting a room full of bear pepper spray um and staying in there for any period of time that is uh rather interesting so um but uh no we'll definitely be staying in touch and i appreciate you guys and uh i hope you have a, a great rest of your day and maybe go run for like 30 or 100 miles and i'm gonna go to the gas station and get a car wash it's like six miles that's gonna be there you go. my challenge of the day so yes yes that'll be time for cigar and wine here pretty soon it's almost happy out here in san diego so. i love it I I, I love it because everybody else that's in your world would be like, do not smoke a cigar. Do yeah. not have a glass of wine. You still, you still enjoy it. And that's a, that's a fantastic. Um, yeah. That was one thing I didn't get you. to do. Yeah, you do. Like you said, we're all going to die sometime. Yeah, you know, the yeah. one thing you don't want to do is say, I wish I smoked a cigar. Or I wish I did this. And I'm not saying that people should smoke cigars, um, but, or drink wine or do whatever. But if you enjoy it with moderation, of course, um you should enjoy those moments so exactly yeah. what's that what's that moderation thing you speak of i need to work on that I think. yeah no it sounds like you do a lot of moderating it's uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 no you you got the you got the all in dialed in that's uh pretty good so 
Well, listen, that'll do it. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, for those yeah. of you that listened, we went. We we, this, we could talk for another hour. I could talk for two more hours. I'm, my podcasts are getting longer in length, but I think it's because um, I'm not putting a time limit on these things. I'm, I don't want to be Joe Rogan. Well, actually, I do want to be Joe Rogan, but I don't know that that's going to happen in my lifetime, but we'll keep trying. But um, this, this has just been great. Our, our guests are getting... Um, so sharing so much more with us and this is uh, being put together just all for you to enjoy so um, thanks for the feedback saying you know make them longer make them stronger and uh, we're going to keep doing that and in return hoping that everybody that's listening that's on a podcast platform can go ahead and subscribe hit follow smash as the kids say um, the follow button and uh, if you could hit the five star rating and review and do both I give you a free t-shirt um, which appreciate your time and doing that, but it does make a difference. It does help us with visibility and let us know that we're doing a good job. And if I'm not doing a good job and I don't deserve a five-star rating, don't click anything else. Just hit me in the email and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Josh at be awesome. J O S H at be awesome. B E A U S M.com. And I'll listen to you and take your advice and your thoughts. And maybe if it makes sense, I'll make some changes and, and uh, modify it so we can earn it. So, it's been another great one. And remember, if you can be anything, be awesome. Have a great day, everybody.